Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Welcome to another episode of Wonder of Parenting Podcast. My name is Tim Wright, uh, your host, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, who has written many, many books on the topics that we're talking about in these podcasts, a brain science approach to parenting. And we're so glad to have you with us. And uh, if you're listening today and you're a new listener, we appreciate that. If you're a regular listener, we're glad to have you back. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, we encourage you to go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, www.wonderofparenting.com. There's uh, several different ways uh, on that website where you can subscribe to this podcast. If you like the podcast, we hope that you will uh, give us a nice review. And if you're on Instagram, Uh, You can follow us there on our Instagram account, Wonder of Parenting Podcast, Wonder of Parenting Podcast. And we also want to uh, encourage you, if you'd like, to send us a question that we can answer during one of our podcasts, which we are going to do today. Uh, We had a listener who sent in a question, and Michael, it's a a fairly long one, and I feel like I have to read the whole thing for you uh, so that people and so that you will have a sense of what's being asked here, because she uh, relates an experience that happened with her son that she's very concerned about. And uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting one uh, for parents who are raising boys. So let me read the message for you, and then we'll give you a chance to uh, comment, and we'll talk about it. Great. She says, Dear Tim and Michael, my husband and I both love your new podcast. Thank you very, very much. Uh, With your experience, skill, and thorough understanding of children and brain science, I know you'll have an answer for my questions. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're going to do our best. And it's about uh, a troubling incident that occurred yesterday with our five-year-old son and his two friends of the same age. Uh, And she goes on to say here that uh, the three families involved in this particular instance are, are quite troubled. So here's what happened. Our three boys, ages five, five, and six, were playing alone on the trampoline for a handful of minutes after school. One of the other mothers and I had just gone out back to round them up, and we were alarmed to find that one of them was in the process of pulling his pants and underwear back up. The other two were jumping and laughing. When they spotted us, it was clear they knew that they had been up to no good, but they continued to laugh, chat, and roll around without the usual signs of guilt and fear an older child might exhibit. The story from all three of them, given separately, was that my son had suggested that they do a gross dance. 
My son's ideas went from do a gross dance to pull your pants down to sit on our faces, which the young boys did. The boys also reported that as the third boy sat on their faces, the other two grabbed his penis. Now, it sounds even more alarming and serious as I write it out. Knowing what you know about mothers, you can imagine how our heads are spinning. My husband and I first reacted by questioning our son about whether anyone had ever asked him to pull his pants down and whether he had ever seen anyone else pull their pants down or his other two suggestions at school, outside with the neighbors or on TV. He reports that he's never seen anything like that. Of course, we've followed up with talks about our bodies with him and the sacredness of those private parts. We've prayed with him. And to ensure he understands the seriousness of tampering with other people's bodies, we've given him severe consequences for his actions. We do feel the message has sunk in. He is not able to articulate why he had this idea or why he carried it out. Can you? Is this normal behavior for little boys to try? He seems honest when he says that he's not seen or heard of anything like what he suggested, but it's hard for us to imagine him just coming up with an idea like that out of nowhere. We don't feel it was a sexual suggestion, but could it have been? We think he was going for gross, and how can we make this grosser? What do you think? All right, Michael, there's a (laughs) lot of stuff in there. There's boy behavior stuff. There's uh, fascination with the penis in there. Um and I will let you kind of start where you want to start, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, well, yes, and there were various details in there. So if I don't, you know, keep me, just yep, keep hitting it. me with the very, because there's so many wonderful layers to this question. Um, so uh, at five years old, um, I just want to congratulate them. They they did everything right. They tried to figure, you know, they asked about and have have tried to discern if he's been sexually abused uh, or molested. And and so that that's going to be always in brackets and parentheses when anything happens, you know, like this. We always got to ask that question and try to discern if that's happened. I'm going to assume in this case that that has not happened um, because that would be a separate category uh, so that he has not been sexually abused or molested. So if we assume that, then yes, now we are in the range for five years old, of experimental, gross, uh, you know, normalcy of this behavior. And by normalcy, I don't really mean that we're going to encourage it in every boy, but but that it's within the range of normal for guys to be on this trampoline. They're only five and six, so they're really not sexualized yet. So, I, you know, we can pretty much take that off the table um, uh, if, if they haven't been abused, which they haven't. So, they're, it's not really a sexual thing for them. It's a it's a body part. It's kind of mechanical, and they want to figure out how uh, how to be grosser, right? And so all of this comes together, and then of course it kind of feeds on itself. And I was once a boy, so uh, you know, I mean, that is this interesting thing we have in our pants, and we don't at five think of it sexually. We us adults have to get that out of our heads, right? This is a five year old, so unless he has witnessed someone having sex or something like that, he's not thinking of it sexually. He's he's seeing this as a body part to explore and experiment with, and then of course he wants to one up and gross out his friends, and then he's if he's the leader, he's going to concoct even grosser ways, and he's got this body part to do it with. Uh, which is just a body part to him. It's like an arm. It's not sex. Um, so I I would say that this sounds like normal boy behavior. The consequences seem really solid to me. They've given consequences because, of course, there are social consequences if he 
does this outside that sort of privacy of that little group, you know, and, and we got to stop that, right? Because that's that goes down a, another path. So the parents have done a good job of saying, hey, there are consequences for showing your body parts like this. These are your private parts. Uh, you did this once. You don't do this again. Um, so there are more parts to that, but I just would want to give relief to these folk that I don't, I don't think this child's in any danger. So I, like you, Michael, I, I grew up as a boy, which shouldn't surprise people. <laughs> uh, I've raised a son and I now have, uh, three grandsons and there is this seemingly endless fascination with the penis, with fart jokes, with the butt, for for boys of a certain age and and sometimes it <laughs> oh, yeah. it continues on even in, into when they're adults and and you you touched on it a little bit you know it's it's just a body part they're trying to figure it out um it it sounds like there's almost a certain uh detachment from uh the brain and the penis so that the penis becomes one of these uh things that that boys like to figure out it's sort of like playing with legos how does this thing work yeah. is is there some truth to that oh yeah it's somewhat a mechanical thing uh, yeah and remember this is what they know this at 5 as as the what they pee through they don't they're not having uh you know most likely no wet dreams yet or anything like that. So they don't, they don't really know it sexually yet. They know it as what they pee through. So it's kind of a mechanical um, object to them. And uh, they're, they're, they they see it as a mechanical object. That's what I mean. It's like an arm or a leg. They're going to use it mechanically and try to explore it mechanically to try to figure it out. Uh, And they're going to use it in their gross boy play like and, and along with fart jokes, I mean, I would put it in that range, even though it scares people because it is also a, it's it's where our sex comes from. But at five, we can see it more in the gross behavior um, than we should see it in the sex behavior. So more as a mechanical thing in the gross behavior category. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Now, even though I recognize... Uh, because I was a parent of a boy and now the grandparent of three grandsons. When when I do see my grandsons doing those kinds of uh, mechanical things with their penises, and I hope to goodness that they never listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I do get a little concerned. E- even though I know it's normal behavior, there's nothing sexual about it, but I've got this adult brain on. Yeah, I've got all of these filters now in our society of of sexual molestation and so on, um, and and help us a little bit as as parents, even dads can get a little freaked out by this, even though we know it's natural. Help us a little bit to um, to understand what is it about boys and gross behavior that's maybe a little different than girls. It's a part of our humor. Uh, it's the part of the way that that we tend to relate to other guys. 
uh, why is it that we want to be gross? What is what is well, it with that? Yeah, I have some theories on this. I mean, I don't know that anyone has ever completely figured this out, but after oh, oh, you know almost forty years of studying this, I, I have some theories. So I'm going to give my theories for what they're worth. I mean, I, I do think you know, for me, everything is nature, nurture, culture. Right? There's there's simply nothing of import that we do, and play is of import. There's nothing of import that we do as human beings that doesn't have some aspect of nature, some aspect of nurture, and some aspect of culture. At five, I actually think that that mo- most of this is going to be more on the nature side. Uh, that there may be some culture thing, or there may be some nurture thing where someone did something that you know, and then they it, it translated in. But I think most of this is nature, and and males are naturally calling attention to themselves. Uh, you know, we're we're sort of naturally um, doing more posturing, more aggression, um, more look at me, uh, because we we're, perf- we were built for a performance imperative. Um, you know, we're not, um, females, if they call lots of attention to themselves, right, their biology, they have to fight through the fact that if they call attention to themselves, that they might get attention they don't want. And our biology is is uh, sort of operative all the time inside us. And whereas males are, I want to call more attention to myself because that raises my status. And I, I think this is linked to testosterone, which then is linked to hierarchy, you know, and then it's biochemical in the brain and it's the brain set up around around spatials, right, which testosterone set up in utero. So the male brain is this much more cerebellum oriented, much more spatial center oriented, more mechanical center oriented brain. So we're going to be we're going to fart sort of mechanically and then call attention to ourselves and then see if we can rise up in the hierarchy if our fart was louder and smellier, right? We're always making it into a hierarchy. And guys will even, um, we have pictures that we use in our trainings that one of our trainers, I believe it was Dakota, got this picture of these two boys who were like seven or eight and they were uh, seeing how far they could pee. This is the mechanical of the penis. They were seeing how far they could get away from the toilet and still hit the <laughs> toilet. And they put these lines on the floor uh, with tape to as they reached that goal, you know, that's where they were. Then, okay, let's go further back. Let's see if we can do it further back. And then, oh, no, whoops, we missed the toilet. So they had to go closer. And then as they, right, as they get further and further away, they... Um, well, I think we could call that gross behavior, but for them, yes. it's right. I mean, they're peeing on the floor. And of course, mom, she was, I think, a very enlightened mom. She made them clean everything up. But she didn't, uh, as I understand this story, did not overreact to this. She was like, oh, God, boys, you know. And so what this is, is a, right, uh, the hierarchy. So they they draw these lines to see who can who can win. Uh, yeah, in, it's a competition. Yeah, they use the mechanicals yeah. to compete and yeah. rise up in hierarchies. So my my theory is that that's where gross boy behavior comes from. It comes from that kind of amalgamation of of biology, and then of course it can enter nurture and culture. But I think we're wired for that. Whereas girls, you know, girls are set up differently anatomically, so they're not going to do that peeing game the same way. Um, but even with the farting, think think about think about the biology of smell. So female olfactories, uh, which is smell, right, uh, that sense, are more sensitive than male. So it's less likely that females are going to have fart competitions because they hate the smell. Whereas guys, we don't pick up as much olfactory. And so we're not smelling it as being as gross. And we're using it more toward uh, the, the hierarchy development and the um, and the and that kind of boy play. 
So that's my theory. I can't say anyone has solved it, but that's my theory. You are listening to The Science of Farting with New York Times <laughs> bestselling author, Dr. Michael Gurian. So, uh, <laughs> you know, back to our, our listener, uh, you know, she's very, very concerned about her her son's behavior. And, and uh, we don't mean as men to be laughing. We're not laughing at what your son did, but just kind of boy behavior. And, you know, I know a lot of women listen to this and they're horrified and a lot of guys are laughing or they're trying not to laugh because their wives are listening along with them right now. But this is a part, a part of understanding our boys. And, um, I, you know, and I, I sense with you that uh, the letter writer um, pretty much ruled out any sort of sexual uh, abuse or, or s- sexualized behavior. What would be some signs, though, that uh, a parent might look for? Uh, you know, four, five, or six. Understanding this is natural boy behavior, but but where? What are some things that you might look for to say, hey, this isn't quite right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and let me say about what you said. You know, regarding the laughing too. That that when we. When we laugh at this, and I do encourage people to laugh at this behavior, um, it's part of why the guys do it. They do it to create humor. I encourage us to laugh. But it also, if it's inappropriate, um, you know, if it's inappropriate, then we need to correct the behavior. And right. so I, I never want anyone to think we're not saying that. Uh, our job as parents and teachers is to correct, to help correct inappropriate behavior. And that was inappropriate. Just like if someone had a farting contest in a classroom, the teacher, you know, would say that's inappropriate. If someone's having a farting contest out in the backyard, I would I would laugh about it. So so there are those lines. We all know what those you know those are important lines. Now in terms of sexual abuse, um, that's why I did start out very serious about that and to to just make sure that hasn't happened. If if a child, the reason I asked it is one of the signs of a child having been sexually abused is that they sexualize early, so they become um, uh, focused on on. S- sexual images or on their own body as sexualized or other people's bodies as sexualized. So like at seven or eight, they're having sexual thoughts and they're seeing other people sexually. And at seven or eight, that would be, you know, unusual um, uh, to be spending much time doing that. But if you've been sexually abused, that would not be unusual. Uh, Or if the person is sexually abused at 10, let's say, then we're going to start seeing them that way at 10 and even 10 is pretty young you know so so if they're if they're looking for sexual images if they're talking sex stuff um uh if they are trying to make their body or their clothing more sexual so that they show off sexually any of those sorts of things are gonna trigger those of us in the field to try to figure out if this child's been sexually abused and of course if they become depressed if they isolate if they um uh appear traumatized all of those things someone smart that you take your child to is gonna is gonna ask okay has this child been sexually abused one of the things that i appreciate about our listeners question here is the way that they handled their son and um i think what we we don't want to do and and that's what they did so well here is, is they didn't panic um it doesn't sound like they shamed him for his behavior uh, but they they just talked it through with him and they they helped him understand boundaries and and that's so very very important when our children are growing up to to recognize again like you said he's 5 years old he's not an adult he doesn't have the sort of filters that we're looking at life with and so rather than shaming him or or saying that his behavior was was bad in any way uh to see it as normal and then to say all right but but 
we're going to do things differently. We want you to have some boundaries, and this is important. And it, it ended up being a very important teaching moment, I think, for this family. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Yeah, the teaching moment thing is so key. I'm glad you said that because because um, for that boy at five, it's not a moral issue. You know, he doesn't, the adults see it as a moral issue. Right, because as you said, we have our right. filters, and we're our brains are expanding to everything immoral that could happen. Right, but to him at five, it's not a moral issue. It's just a mechanical play, uh, camaraderie thing. Uh, so, so it's not really something immoral that he's done. The teaching moment is a socializing teaching moment. It's to say, okay, in society, you know, you can't do this. So we're going to use this experiential incident as a way of having this conversation with you and holding you to a standard. Um, and, and now, you know, now if he does it again, it becomes a moral issue. And I always want to say to, uh, or a values issue, you know, I want to always say to parents, and I had to learn this myself as a parent, that the first time something happens, it's so great not to hit it morally, uh, obviously, unless it's a terrible thing the child has done. But in something like this, that's within the range of normal, uh, we just have to step back and say, okay, wait, for that kid, <laughs> it's not right or wrong, actually, for that kid. It's it's now our teaching moment to say, okay, in our value system, that actually will be in the future wrong behavior. Um, it wasn't wrong right now because you didn't know. But, you know, now you know. Now you don't put your penis in the face of another boy. And if you do, it goes against our value system. And so, you know, you're, you're going to get in trouble. And of course, they gave him consequences this time. So my my guess is he will never do it again because because you know he doesn't want those consequences. Um, but I do believe it is a teaching moment. It's not a shaming moment. It's a teaching moment. Yes, good. I have a vivid memory of when I was in fifth grade, and we uh, were having sex education, and we the boys uh, went and we had one male teacher in our fifth grade elementary school, and so he had all the boys. And um, uh, and we would talk about different aspects of, of sex and so on to, to, you know, to fifth grade learning level. And I remember the reason why I remember this is because one of the things he talked about was how we, we tend to 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 um, devalue or to make negative uh, our private parts, our, our penises, for example. And it was always the old thing was, don't touch it, it's dirty, always wash your hands. And he said, if you keep telling kids that, boys that, you're going to start to believe that your penis is something bad, it's something naughty. And so to understand um, that this is a part of who your son is, this is a, a part of his his masculine identity, his sexual identity, it is not dirty it is not untouchable but there are boundaries for it that's what we're called to as parents is to instill in our kids that there's this is a, a gift from your creator or this is how you've evolved whatever language you want to use and it's a good gift and um it's it's one of the ways that you know that you're a man um but there are appropriate ways to use it and inappropriate ways 
Right. That that's so it's so great you said that. Uh we we sort of are are caught right now in 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 such I mean culturally we're in such overreaction to anything male that that uh and I think some of it does grow from us from I don't know hundreds of years maybe of of cultures making male anatomy and the penis into a dirty thing and um and that's that's sexualizing something that for a little kid is not sexualized you know it's it just it is and maturity is really about boundary setting so helping to raise this boy to maturity isn't isn't really about telling him some part of himself is bad it's about teaching him boundaries to use all the parts of himself and teaching him appropriate ways to use all the parts of himself so i i'm really glad that your your teacher said that and i hope everyone will help boys celebrate you know, just as girls celebrate what they've got and who they are, I think later they're, you know, less likely to do harm to others sexually if they grow up comfortable. Right, right. Now, you, you've you got a, uh, some resources, uh, some books that you've written. What would you recommend uh, to parents as a great place to start in terms of understanding their, their son or their daughter, for that matter, uh, how their brains work and how their bodies work, and, and just helping parents to develop or, or raise their children to be good men, good women? Well, getting a writer, you know, asking a writer to talk about his books <laughs> is really dangerous. Well, I think, um, so the wonder, the sort of baseline first set of books that dealt with a lot of these things is The Wonder of Boys and then The Wonder of Girls. And so those were written, um, you know, between 15 and 25 years ago, but they're still universal in terms of helping us understand mm. boy and girl development. But then I have updated, you know, I've really updated. And so the recent uh, books are Saving Our Sons and the Minds of Girls, which both came out in the last one to two years. And so the research is updated. Um, but I think for kids, for parents of the younger you know, there's more about younger boys in The Wonder of Boys. And there's more about sort of 8 to 18 in Saving Our Sons. Got so it. that's another way to look at that. Well, just to put a, a little cap on, on this uh, interesting discussion that we've had today to, to show you how boys' minds work, uh, I'll take you back to that fifth grade class. And um, the, the teacher drew a picture of a penis. And he drew it on a piece of paper, he said, because one time he drew it on the chalkboard and he wasn't able to erase it enough. So when the girls came in, it was up on the board. So he drew a picture of a penis and he was just talking about how the penis works and what it does, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I even remember when he was talking about how babies were made, asking the question. So this tells you where kids are at. Do you have to call a doctor first before you do that? <laughs> uh, but uh, at the end, then he took that picture of a penis and he, he turned it into a banana. Uh, that was partially peeled just in case some girl would walk in and and so that's what that was my takeaway from uh, my sex ed class uh, was uh, drawing a penis and turning it into a banana so if that gives you some insights into where boys are at uh, we just do have a little different way uh, of uh, looking at the world and uh, to our listener we're so grateful that you sent that question in because you're not the only parent 
who's going to ask that question. And uh, we hope it's been a helpful answer for you. I know that Michael did reach out to you uh, with an email as yep. well, and we will do that for you. Uh, and if you do have any questions, you can go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, www.wonderofparenting.com. Uh, there's a place where you can uh, submit a question. My email address is on there if you want to just talk to me personally, and I can get uh, in touch with Michael then. We've got resources there for you uh, to help you raise your sons and daughters. And um, if you would like to subscribe, please do. There's a, uh, several different links to help you subscribe to our podcast, and we'd love it if you'd leave a nice review for us. And then if you're on Instagram, go to Wonder of Parenting Podcast and follow us there, and we can interact that place as well. Uh, Michael, this has been a really interesting one, a lot of fun in some ways, and uh, I sure appreciate you always and, and what you bring to the table. Any final word that you want to give to parents on this topic? Well, no, thank you. Thanks for bringing it up for this. Uh, no, I, I I would say just just we we can we can worry less than we worry about that kind of behavior. But uh, yeah, that's well said. S- set the right boundaries. Right, worry less, but be vigilant about yep. it. And yep. uh, Michael's given us some great insight into that. Parents, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast, "The Wonder of Parenting: A Brain Science Approach to Parenting." Have a great day.